Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and you'll notice that the Lord's Prayer starts in verse 9. Okay, so let's just look at that text. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We'll stop right there just for a moment. Practicing your righteousness. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father. Practicing righteousness is something that should accompany our salvation, right? You should be practicing righteousness. We should be. There's, this isn't an attack on practicing righteousness. This is an attack on motivation for practicing your righteousness. Beware of practicing your righteousness. And it doesn't end there, does it? Beware of practicing your righteousness in order to be seen by other people. For when you do it that way, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Now, if you belong to God, you will be practicing righteousness just as he is righteous, right? Matthew, 14, uh, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Let's listen to what it says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Interesting, because this seems to be the exact opposite of what's being said. Then this is just in Matthew chapter 5, by the way. And we're in chapter 6. So, are you contradicting yourself here, Matthew, recording the words of Jesus? Is there a contradiction here? Because one says, you get the picture, you take a lamp and you put it up high and it gives more light than if I were to put it down low. And so, likewise, you should be like that light, like that lamp. You should put yourself up high so many people can see it. But then you say to me, beware of practicing your righteousness to be seen by others. So, which is it? Practice your righteousness so that others can see your good deeds or beware of practicing your righteousness so that other people might see your good deeds, which is it? Well, it's both, isn't it? Because it's a motivation issue. Why do you want other people to see your good deeds? Why do you want other people to see your righteousness? Because in Matthew 5, it's talking about giving glory to God, that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, if your motivation is for other people to see your good works and your righteousness so that they give you glory, then we got a problem. Other people should see our good works, our righteousness, but it should lead them to give glory to God and not to you. So beware of practicing your righteousness before others to get your own glory and rob God of his glory. That's the point. Beware of why you're practicing righteousness. You should let other people see your good deeds. We should. That's good. But we need to be careful that our motivation is correct, is in its right place. 1 John 3.10, I'll say this just because we're in uh, the letters of John, aren't we? First uh, John 3.10 says, By this it is evident who are the children of God, who are the children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I read that to say we are the people of God if we have faith in Christ. Therefore, we should be practicing righteousness and we should be doing it in such a way that other people see our righteousness. But our motivation for doing so ought to be to give God glory and not that other people see our righteousness and give us glory. So it should be happening. We just need to be careful of why it's happening. Could it be, we'll just pause here for a moment, that you've ever done a truly righteous deed but with the wrong motivation. You have truly done something good that God calls good, but you know the reason you did it is so that other people might see it and say, hey, you're a pretty good person. You're a pretty good guy, right? Wow, look at how godly you are. I'm amazed. I'm impressed by your godliness. If we're honest with ourselves, there have been times in our lives where this has been our motivation. We don't like that. We don't like that that was our motivation, but it was. So there's a warning. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Where'd that come from? Second John 8. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them, because in that situation, in that case, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. John is telling us the same thing. When we talked about rewards, I summarized it by saying this. Believers will be rewarded based upon their manner of walking in the truth. This is not because we deserve rewards, remember. We don't deserve to be rewarded. But because God has promised rewards according to the abundance of his grace on his children. If we do not watch ourselves we are at risk of losing the fullness of our rewards. Watch yourself that you might not lose what you have worked for, but might win a full reward. And in the same way, uh, in Matthew, Jesus is saying, beware of practicing your righteousness to be seen by others, because in that case, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you practice your righteousness, you need to be careful that your motivation is correct. So there are two ways to practice righteousness, right? Two ways to practice righteousness. One, to be seen by others in public. Or, second option is, to be seen by God in private. To be seen by others in public actually can either be a public or private event. Here's what I'll say. Have you ever done something in secret, what we'll call secret, where no one can see, right? You've done something that if you would have just kept quiet about it, no one would have ever known that you did that. If you would have kept quiet about it, no one ever would have known that you did it, but you didn't keep quiet about it. You came in and you said, hey, chairs look pretty good tonight, don't they? wonder how they got like that. Oh, you don't know? Well, I know. I did it. I didn't, really, I didn't touch the chairs tonight. That's a very simple illustration, but at the same time, we like the feeling of other people knowing that we did good stuff, don't we? It elevates us. And when it elevates us, what is it doing? It's giving us glory. We are wanting ourselves to be glorified. And what is the heart of that? What is the root of that? What is the cause of that? Because we are all at heart by nature, 
idolaters. We like to put ourselves up as God. God is the one to receive glory, and many times we put ourselves in the place of God. We want glory. We want glory. Lift me up. Say good things about me. And if you don't know that I did that good thing, then you're not going to say good stuff about me. And I want you to say good stuff about me. But the other side of this is that what if we did that thing that no one ever saw and we were content with that because we know someone did see it? Who saw it? God saw it. There have been circumstances where I have to remind myself why I do things that I do. Who are you doing that for? If you're doing it for other people, you're going to want them to know that you did it. Right? And you're going to be upset when they don't have the reaction that you wanted. When we continue to go through this, it's going to become more clear, and I'll just let the text speak for itself. But uh, Jesus targets three common practices for everyone who calls themselves religious. And we see that laid out for us in chapter 6, from chapter 6, verse 9, through chapter 6, verse 18. Jesus lays out three ways that people practice righteousness and how to be careful with those practices. And the Lord's Prayer falls right in the middle. Well, at the beginning, but it takes up a large section. The Lord's Prayer is explaining verse 1. Has the Lord's Prayer ever been put in context of verse 1 for you? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And everything that comes after this is in context of that concept. That is where the Lord's Prayer falls. So he is first going to talk about almsgiving. I don't know. We don't really use that, that word too much. It, giving to the needy, right? And then he talks about prayer. And then he talks about fasting. Three things that people do that are truly righteous, good, but people do with wrong motivation. Let's look at verse two. Because now he's targeting that first thing giving to the needy. So he begins. So let's look at giving to the needy first, and then we'll look at prayer and then fasting. It's three examples of how you might be doing a righteous thing with the wrong motivation. So the first thing that is righteous, but you might be doing for the wrong reason is giving to the needy. Look at verse two. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might be praised by others. There it is. Do you see it? Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. He will. He will reward you for that. But do it in secret. Did you know that you can do a secret act in public? What does that mean? Let's talk about his illustration here. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. Has anyone ever done that? You purchase a trumpet, and you go somewhere to give to the needy, and you go, I'm giving to the needy. And you say, you're like, well, I don't do that, so I've taken the directions from Scripture. I have no trumpet, therefore it's impossible for me to do this. 
I don't, I don't think you've understood that properly. Do you know that at this time in history, they weren't blowing trumpets either? So this was not a practice that was being attacked. No, one, no one's blowing a real trumpet, okay? But something is happening. Um, so at this time, there was set up for, uh, in the Jewish community, a way to give to the poor. Uh, it was dependent on individuals to fund a large, um, a large collection, and they would then give that money to the poor. Okay, so your job was to contribute to the large fund, and then they would take that and contribute to the poor, okay? And to do that, you would go into the women's court in the temple. And so you have the court, if you're looking at the, 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 uh, the temple, and it, it's a large rectangle, if you have that image in your mind, and the largest part of that is going to be the court of the Gentiles, and that's uh, many different situations in Scripture happen in that. So that's where the money changers, remember that whole situation? That's where that happened in the court of the Gentiles. And pretty much anybody could come and go from that, that particular place. But then there's a smaller rectangle with inside the big rectangle of the temple. And that was uh, the court of the women, which led into an even smaller place where the men and then the priests would go, and then you had the Holy of Holies inside of that. So it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So in the court of the women, though, there was also the treasury. And uh, there were uh, some big uh, columns on the sides, but open in the middle. And along the sides of the walls would have been 13 uh, what were called shofar chests. And uh, you would, they would all be labeled. Uh, that you would give different amount, you would give your money in these little chests as you went through. And uh, the interesting thing about the shofar is that shofar in Hebrew is a, a ram's horn. And it's translated in our Old Testament as trumpet. So uh, when you sound the trumpet before you uh, is really kind of a play on the fact that uh, these trumpet chests where they would give their money to the poor Everybody, and, and actually, um, there's, there's evidence, and I think good evidence, that the, the horn, if you're thinking about a horn, it's, you know, it's got a big side and a small side, right? Actually, the big side was on the chest, and the small side is what you would insert your coins in. So you'd have to stand there and go, one, two, three, who's watching, who's watching, three, and you're, you're adding your coins in one at a time so that other people might see you. So in a sense, sounding the trumpet before you as you go giving to the needy so that other people might see you. When you give, are you doing it to be noticed by others or are you doing it to be noticed by God alone? So again, the, the practice of corporate giving is not what's being attacked here. See, what's not being attacked is the fact that they had these 13 chests for giving money to the... That's not the problem. Giving the money in public is not the problem. Praying in public is not the problem. Fasting and other people knowing about it is not the problem. The problem is you're doing it to be noticed by other people. That is the problem. So it's a warning to us. It's a warning from Jesus, a warning from our Lord. Beware. Make sure that this is not your motivation when you give. Uh, 
And the giving, again, is, is, an, is, is an example of practicing righteousness. So it's not just giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. No, no, no. Those are just common uh, examples of practicing righteousness. There are other ways to practice your righteousness, right? Here are big examples for you to look at and say, now apply this to practicing any sort of righteousness. Any good works, what is your motivation? So instead, what Jesus says is, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Well, that's pretty hard to do. In other words, it's so secret in your mind that even your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. That's how secretive this is. In other words, you don't even want yourself to know about it. What's my motivation? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm in. I'm out. I'm not doing this for the praise of anybody, any people. I don't, I, that's not why I'm in it. But knowing that when you do it, whether people see or people don't see, your father always sees. He sees everything. He sees everything. He sees the motivation of your heart with every act of righteousness. He sees your heart. So we need to be careful. When we give, it's an act of faith. It's an act of dependence. It's an act of sacrifice for his sake. So look at verse 5 with me. It says, And when you pray, ah, here we go. So we're already getting into prayer. So when you give to the needy, don't, it's not for other people, it's not a show. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. There it is again. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's exactly the same concept as giving to the needy. It's exactly the same, just different words, a different illustration for how to understand that. And do you know, actually, that Palestinian homes at this time, uh, there was only one door in those homes other than the front door. So when we think, go to your bedroom and shut the door, they didn't have bedroom doors that shut. Isn't that interesting to know? So what's the idea here? They only had one room that had a door on it. It was their storage room where they stored their food and whatever else might be valuable. It's the only door, that's the only room that had a door. But the idea is we go into a place where we know that we are praying to an audience of one. You can do that no matter where you are. You can do that in this seat with all these other people here. You can pray to an audience of one no matter where you are. You can give for an audience of one no matter where you do it in what context. This is the idea. Now, what are these hypocrites? You probably know the word hypocrite comes from the Greek theater. And a, a hypocrite was one who plays a role or is a pretender or an actor, we would say. One who puts on a different face. In what way are these people who are praying in order that they might be seen by them, in what way are they hypocrites? In what way is that hypocritical, that you're praying to be seen by others? Because their prayers were a performance. 
the role that they were playing was of a godly person who truly is seeking the ear of their father. They were doing it for an audience, and when their performance was over, they were seeking applause. By the way, you ever uh, prayed in a group or with another person, and you were really concerned about how your prayer sounds? I know you were because I hear that all the time. And people tell me, oh, I'm nervous to pray in front of other people. I don't know. Like, we're really concerned about, I want to say the right thing here. I want to like word it so beautifully and it comes up all broken and messed up. And it's it's okay. You know, by the way, it's, it's okay that you sound like you when you pray. You know that, right? You can sound like you when you pray. You don't have to sound like someone else. But have you ever prayed in such a way that it was a performance? Yep. It it wasn't as if our, our focus was entirely on the Lord himself. Should your prayers be focused on the Lord? Because it is him you're talking to after all, right? Imagine if I was talking to you, but I knew I was being recorded. And so I was really interested in the camera, not you. I mean, I'm talking to you, but I'm winking at the camera. Uh, It's a performance. Then I'm not really communicating with you, am I? Do you know that this is how our communication with the Lord should be, is that our focus is entirely set on Him? Is that the way your prayers are? Entirely set on the Lord Himself. If it were not a temptation to make your prayers a performance, then our Lord would not have said, beware. Because there is a temptation for us to make our prayers a performance. But again, prayer here is just another example of the main point from verse 1. Don't lose sight of that. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others to be seen by them. One example of that is prayer. Another example of that is giving to the needy. You see the main point though, practicing your righteousness to be seen by others. So he says, pray in secret. The Gentiles, do not be like the Gentiles who heap up empty empty phrases. They think that they will be heard for their many words. That's in verse seven. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what is this? When you pray, do not be like the Gentiles. They think they will be heard for their many words. So what's happening here in context, in this situation, remember that it's always the right thing to do to transport ourselves back to the historical situation and attempt to hear as they would have heard and understand as they would have understood so that we can properly apply in our day. But first we have to understand and then we apply, right? So, what was happening at this particular time in history? Well, uh, I just have one example, and we'll we'll completely get it. Acts 19.34, what's it say? When they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For two hours they said that. These Gentiles think that they will be heard by their many words. That's why they did it for so long. Why? Because their gods that they served, who are not real gods, but the gods they served, they thought, they're busy. 
our gods are doing stuff. And so to get their attention, we need to really work on it. So if we say it loud enough, long enough, we might get the attention of our gods. And then we will have their ear. Is that how our God works? That you need to say, Lord God, hear me. Lord God, hear me. Are you there? Hello? Are we, are we connected? Lord, can you hear me? Please listen. I'm waiting to hear some kind of response. Lord, hello? Are you there? Or is our God immediately accessible to us anytime, anywhere? Our God is always near. How? By what means? We have an intercessor. You know, this is why we pray in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't ever leave that part out. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Why? Because he is the one who is working as our intercessor. And the Spirit of God is interceding on our behalf through our intercessor, who is Christ. Right? All of God is working in this scenario. Okay? We are praying by the Spirit in the name of Christ to the Father. And so all of God is working in our prayers. Two general truths here about this concept. First of all, do not allow your prayers to be shaped by pagan practices. Do not pray like the Gentiles. Do you think there are things happening in this world that could shape the way you pray? And you insert an idea from the world into the way you're praying? Don't do that. Let your prayers be shaped by the word. Segway. There is a book out here uh, that uh, was sent to us for free. I've been waiting several months to get them in. It's written by Donald Whitney. It's called Praying the Bible. Praying the Bible. And uh, we have a bunch of copies out here. I want to recommend that you take one home with you. Okay? It teaches you how to shape your prayers according to the word of God so that our prayers are thoroughly biblical. Okay, so I just want you to take that, read it, absorb some concepts from it, okay? Do not allow your prayers to be informed or shaped by pagan practices. Uh, So two general truths here. God is our father. You don't need to grab his attention. By the way, he's a good father. He's not like me, right? My father, or my father, my my children sometimes need to really uh, beg to get my attention. You know, got things to do, doing stuff. They have to beg to get my attention. Do you know that your father is always ready and willing to come down to your level and say, I'm here. He's always right there. He is always accessible. You don't need to work to bend his ear. Christ did that work for you. That's amazing. That's an amazing truth. But the second thing is this, is that God is omniscient. You don't need to inform him. That is, he knows all things. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's verse 8. He knows all things already. What is your purpose when you pray to inform God? God, I'm just coming to you today, and I'm just letting you know I had a hard day today. You, you had other stuff you were doing. You probably didn't notice. I'm just letting you know that today was hard on me. Different stuff happened to me, and I just need you to know about it so that you can send me some help maybe. Or you have a situation that... Lord, I applied for a job today, and I really need this job. You don't know, so I'm, I'm just letting you know that I applied for the job, and I really need the job, and you don't know that my bank account is, you know, I'm low on funds. I'm just informing you so that you know that I need this job. Do you know that he knows everything? He knows far more than you do about everything. Nothing is hidden from him. 
When you pray, you're not informing God he knows everything far more than you do. So then why do you pray? We might even ask, then how should I pray? Why do we pray? How, how do we pray? What, what is prayer then and how should it function? I don't want to do it to be a performance. I don't want to do it like the Gentiles. I want to pray properly. I want to pray the way that my Lord taught me to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And so he says in verse 9, pray then like this. And that is where the Lord's prayer comes in. Our Lord teaching us the right way to pray before he gives us that third and final example of practicing your righteousness before other people. Our motivation for prayer matters. I hope that that one simple thought is what you're taking with you tonight. Our motivation for prayer matters. And if you zoom out a little bit, what we're going to say is our motivation for practicing any righteousness matters. But specifically, we're looking at what together? Prayer. So your motivation in prayer matters. I just want to end with one passage and we'll be through for tonight. I want to read for you Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. Where does this come in? Well, it's at the end of chapter 6. We're in chapter 6, right? So just, if we were to just fast forward to the end of the chapter, listen to what it says about prayer. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Before I read verse 34, do you see that your motivation matters? Seek first the kingdom of God. That's your motivation. What are you seeking? What am I going to eat? That's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking food. I'm seeking something to drink. I'm seeking something to wear. You're seeking yourself. So Jesus is saying, when you pray, your motivation matters. When you pray and you come and you ask for something, don't you know that he already, knew, he already knows what you need? Your motivation matters when you come into prayer. Seek first his kingdom, not your own. Seek first his glory, not your own. Seek first him, not you. So our prayers ought to be God-focused. We're seeking his kingdom, right? Aren't we seeking his kingdom when we pray or are we seeking our kingdom when we pray? And right there, there we have an issue, don't we? Because primarily when we pray, I say primarily, but, I, but often when we pray, aren't we seeking to build up our own little kingdom on earth? Lord, give me more of this, give me this so that I can do that and I can be better at this and I can have more of this and so I can do this and that they will be happy and that they'll be happy and that they'll be happy and they'll be healthy and then I'll be healthy, right? It, like what we're trying to do is build up our kingdom and, and ourselves. But what is being said here is make sure that you are seeking first primarily God's kingdom when you pray. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And that's the whole point, right? Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. Seek his kingdom and don't worry about it. That's so easy to say, right? <laughs> Verse 34. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. 
Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Again, that's so easy to read. How many people in this room are anxious for tomorrow? Many of you. I know it. I know it's true. It's all connected to prayer, and prayer is connected to our motivation. What is your motivation? So I I hope that as we walk through the Lord's Prayer together and that as it continually gets pressed on our minds, as we read it together and we think about it in detail, um, that we will learn from our Lord how to pray and what to pray. And that when we're through, we read these verses and we say, this is how I've been living. I've been seeking God's kingdom first. I've been seeking his righteousness. I've not been anxious about tomorrow. I've been giving it all over to him. And so it's my prayer that the Lord's prayer would be shaping us, that it would be changing us uh, to be a faithful uh, people who seek God's kingdom first. All right, let's pray together. Father, as we've talked much about prayer tonight, it is our goal that we might give you glory in all things. It's what we want. We want to give you glory. We want to seek your kingdom first. Our life is not our own to live. We've been purchased with a price. We are not God. You are God. You have given us something that we don't deserve by your grace, by your mercy, by your goodness. So God, now we, we're here simply living for you. That my body is not my own. My thoughts are not my own. I ought to have the thoughts, the mind of Christ. Uh, this church is not ours, it's yours. Everything we have, all of our gifts, talents, skills, money, whatever we have, everything is yours. And so when we pray, God, I pray that you would help us, help us to be transformed in our thinking in the way that we pray that we might be seeking your kingdom first. In your righteousness, as we walk through this as a church, I pray that you would shape us by it for your glory, for your kingdom. We pray together in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we say amen because? Because we all agree, right? That's right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited starting Wednesday nights back with you. So we'll see you all on uh, Sunday morning.